Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Vicky Mouche, who has been acknowledged by The Telegraph as UK's top 25 influential people in property, is a multiple bestselling author, and has built a company that allowed her to retire over 12 years ago from traditional work. So, Vicky, welcome to the show all the way from the UK. Hi, Birgit. Really nice to meet you, virtually, obviously. Yes. So I appreciate you joining us. I know you've got a million things on your plate, but I also know your commitment to helping other leaders. And you have succeeded time and again in all kinds of crisis. You were unexpectedly a single mom who had to take care of finances. You were unexpectedly let go from a job. And then you have dealt through a lot of tough life situations. And you now recently made it through COVID as well. So you've had a lot of success dealing with challenges. So tell us, what do you attribute to your success? It's quite interesting because I've had this conversation a few times and I don't know for truth because how can you? I wonder if it's one of two things or a combination of. As a mother, I had to provide for my children and I know we mentioned before that you're a single mum too. I think that that gives you a certain drive. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is I didn't know that I couldn't. I didn't know that I could fail. I didn't know that not succeeding was not an option. I know that's a doubly, doubly negative, but if, if you get my drift, it's it mm-hmm. was just... I didn't know that I couldn't. Therefore, I just did. I just got on with it. Hmm. Well, and did you get that from your parents or were you always that way? I, I'm not sure whether I got it from my parents. I mean, my dad ran his own business. He was a, a Savile Row tailor. And if you know anything about London, Savile Row was the, the best place to go and get your suits made. So he was a Savile Row tailor and always ran his own business. My mom had her business before she had the children. So maybe there was something a little genetic in there. But I also think maybe it's just a belief system. I know them unusual compared to my peer groups. So at primary school, I didn't fit in with the crowd. At secondary school, we can use the term bullying, but I didn't fit in with the crowd. So I then had to make my own friends, make my own way. So from quite early teens, I was taking myself to the local swimming pool and got involved in swimming. And then that's how I became scuba diving and a property mermaid and all of those things. Because I just, what are you going to do? Sit at home and be on your own? I just, I just got out and got on with it. And I wonder if that's fed. You can choose to see something two ways. You can choose to see something as reaffirming the negative belief that you want to hold, or you can choose to have something reaffirm the positive version of what occurred. And maybe I just was reaffirming the positive. Mm. Well, I can imagine how that spilled over to your team members that that you led with with an attitude like that. Were you able to hire people that had similar views or tell us a little bit about your struggles as in terms of leading others who may or may not have had that view? I think it's quite interesting. There have been times when I've done it really well and other times where I have totally flunked. So the best time was when I was in education and those were just very ordinary interviews, put the job out there, out, people come along. I don't think there was any great emphasis. I mean, this was back in the 2000 or something. Great emphasis on being in line with my values. There wasn't any sort of corporate values. It was just meeting people and going, do you know what? I interviewed three people. Three of them all look good on paper, but I liked her or I liked him. Mm. So let's have them. And got away with that. And what we had was a collective 
culture that we created, we lined up nicely. We were puzzle pieces that fit together. Um, one liked to get into work at 7am in the morning because it worked better for her on the traffic. So I let her go home at three so that she could get home ahead of the traffic. She still did her hours, but that also meant that she came in, she tidied the office, she got the coffee machine on. And then when the next batch came in at nine o'clock, coffee was brewed, everything worked really well. Another girl could not get out of bed to save her life, but worked really well late in the evenings. And so what we ended up with was a 12 hour coverage because one came in at seven and one went home at seven. But when they Mm. wanted time off, they got it because I knew when I needed them to step up for me. There was never a question. They were always there and they were often there before I even asked them. Mm. And then other times when I've tried to recruit into my consultancy business, I really thought I put an awful lot of effort into saying, look, I'm a small business. If you really don't feel that you can work in a small business, if this doesn't align with what you're looking for, it's perfectly okay for you to say no when I offer you the job. But I cannot afford you to take the job offer and then change your mind. And yet they still did. They'd come into the business, they'd work for a little while, and then there was this sort of wishy-washiness about them. Do you know the only difference? Slightly older employees, they were women, mostly women, because it was education, they were mostly women above the age of 30. And when I recruited in the youngsters to help me with the social media and the marketing, they were much earlier on, 20s. And actually, I wonder if it's about the values and the life experiences of your staff and For me, the real blind spot was about not understanding the values and beliefs held by some of my employees and not understanding, I suppose, because I'd had so much success with one team that anybody that I employed wouldn't understand that this company, although it was my company, it was our company. And why weren't we all pulling the same direction? And I I was just really naive, really naive. Hmm. What was the point realize you had a blind spot? Oh, the blind spot, I suppose, really came from you. But realizing that I had a problem um, when I think about the third time that I tried to employ someone and any anyone out there listening, no matter how high you up in the organization, it'll affect you somewhere. There are costs, but the biggest cost is not the money. It's the time involved, the, the time faffing to do hmm. the interviews and, and everything else. But then the time to onboard. And you onboard someone and we were talking about your staff earlier, you you onboard them. And then instead of them paying back by actually sort of leveraging your time, you realize that they leave and you've got to go over it again. And for a long while, I went, right, stuff it. I'll do it on my own. I don't don't Hmm. need any help. I'll do it by myself. And that that's not helpful. And that's a thing a lot of leaders will do, not just around the story of employees and their teams and everything else, but in anything, whether they had a mentor that didn't help them, whether they went to someone for professional advice and it didn't work, you can then just go, well, arms folded, stuff it, I'll do it myself. And that's that's a big mistake. Hmm. So it's uh, during times of crisis, of course, and, and COVID, that's uh, like definitely the tendency is heightened to do everything yourself and minimize hiring people. What tips do you have for people in terms of when it's crisis time? I think we've got to start thinking differently, haven't we? We can't, I, I don't think we can assume that anything that we knew or anything that we do, did in the past is immediately transferable now. And what I'm, well, I suppose, really asking your listeners to, to consider is there are an awful lot of 
of people out there that have been through the process of being furloughed, maybe lost their jobs. They're certainly struggling financially. And I think what we could do is open our eyes and our hearts, still keep our business heads on, but open our eyes and our hearts and help people back into the workplace who really want to work and who've really got something to offer the business and help them make that difference that you want them to make. But you need to help them maybe. This isn't just an onboarding process. This isn't just read the job description. This is what I want you to do. Here's the login, go over there and do something. Maybe we need to be taking a little bit more time now to speak to the employees that are coming in, not just about their skills, but about their experience of the last 12 months, looking for those that are maybe facing financial PTSD. They're in financial shock. And before you onboard them, for sure, look at how you can support them through that. But for those other people who are not in shock, but are certainly struggling financially, then having a conversation with them about how they can make a difference in your business that will then make a difference in their lives could be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes. You've also worked with a lot of contractors in real estate. And I know from from my other guests and friends who are in that business, it is hard to for them to evaluate people. So as we start to wrap up the show, any any last minute tips on how do you select effectively? I think there's a big difference to whether someone is going to come and work in your company that you are going to employ them. And there I do think that we need to be more caring about people moving forward. Not soft. You still want them to deliver on the contract that they've agreed to, but you can still care about those employees. It's very different when you've got a more remote team. So in a in a real mm-hmm. estate business, I work with the estate agents and I can consider them part of my team. My letting agents are definitely part of my team, but they're not direct employees. My builders effectively are contractors. They're not direct employers. And there. I actually think that the conversation about what you're trying to achieve in a business is even more important because they're trying to run their business. You're trying to run your business and you've got to make sure that these two, it's not about getting on the same page. It's actually your two merging runway, two merging motorways. And you're both going as fast as you can. And when these motorways merge, you've got to make sure you don't crash into one another, that you don't cut one another off, that you can actually line up and and fall in line together and both travel in the same direction for the purpose of that piece of the journey. And that takes a conversation. And we're all under stress. But I do believe that putting some time into having conversations with your staff and your wider contractors, suppliers even, could benefit you all. And I think that's a that's a big thing that we can take forward. Yes, it's almost like it takes mastery communication these days. I, I really believe that. I really believe that. And with the simple thing of communication, you can both benefit. It will actually do uh, both your businesses or both your business and your employees' personal lives the world of good if we open up these communications. What we've got to face now is you won't know by looking at someone whether they are struggling mentally. And that's why I use that term financial PTSD. And it could also be health PTSD. There are going to be a lot of people over this last 12 months and beyond that are struggling in a way that they never would have expected in the past. And I feel as human beings, but also especially as leaders, we've got a real opportunity to make a difference to people. It's just those, um, there's the story, isn't there, of the child picking up the starfish and throwing them back in the sea one at a time. One at a time, we can make a difference to people's lives. And that one employee that you help into work, just helping them, but you're helping their entire family and potentially their extended family and also their community because then 
they get a job, they get wages, they spend in their community, the family's sorted, the child behaves better at school, that then helps the teacher. The ripples that you can create from this give me goosebumps. There's a real opportunity for us to make a difference through the very small act of caring about our staff and the people that we work with, which will make us better businesses, better leaders, better employers, and then it's just exponentially better for all. Wow, what a great conclusion statement there. And you're making a difference in in the ripple effects you're causing by being on this podcast. So thank you for coming on, being willing to share this. And also for on your website, you're providing a scorecard. I, as I was preparing for this, I, I took the scorecard assessment myself, and there's various tools that you provide. So if I'm listening to this and I'm wanting to know more about how to get my finances in check, do you want to say a little bit about the scorecard or your website? Oh, lovely. Thank you. You'll need to look at how to spell it because obviously that's the key thing with you funny names. So I'm Vicky Wushe. And my website is vickywushe.com. So that's V-I-C-K-I-W-U-S-C-H-E. And if you go to vickywushe.com forward slash scorecard, all one word, there's an online audit. It's about 30 odd questions take maybe 10 minutes. And what it produces is a personalized report for you to help you understand how clear you are about your finances and how you want your life to live, how in control of your money you are. And if you can master your way through those five principles that I talk about in the report, you can then be in a position where your home life is sorted. So you can then spend more time focusing on your business But equally, you could share that online scorecard with your employees as a way to show them how you care about them and any of your employees that then struggled and had low scores. Maybe you can get them to work together or I can help them work together so that they can bring their scores up and not be struggling financially because financial stress can lead to health stress and and a loss of work performance. And we none of us, we need that. We need everybody fit, healthy mentally fit and strong and all pulling together so that we can turn our economies and our businesses around. So it's vickywashay.com forward slash scorecard. It's completely free to take and you will get a personalized report with action steps that you can take as a result of it. And I can confirm that <laughs> since I <laughs> tested it last night. It took me five minutes. So, and Vicky, I will put all that information as well in the podcast description, but and leaders can share with their employees. So thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me, Birgit. It's, it's been a pleasure to be here.